You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gobbler Country Podcast Talking Turkey, where tonight we will discuss the Hokies' impressive 28 nothing win over Pitt to force a game in Charlottesville against UVA, winner-take-all, Coastal. Hokies hoping to extend that streak. But first, we'll let's go back over that game. And joining me tonight is my co-host, John Schneider, as always. And tonight's a special guest, and you guys know him well here at Gobbler Country, Jahar Ali. How you guys doing tonight? I'm ready to go for this one. This is uh, I, I love talking about a win, right? Actually, two wins tonight because our second segment we're going to go over the basketball game that just wrapped up in Maui in the Maui tournament there, and Virginia Tech took down Sparty, number three Sparty. So we need to talk about that too. We'll do that in the second segment, and then the third segment we're going to jump on. A uh, little preview of Beat the Wahoos week. So, Jahar, how you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Always good to talk about Hokies football after a win. And obviously the big win over Michigan State is something I'm feeling the high of, you know, an hour and a half later. <laughs> yeah, it, it was that was pretty interesting. Joshua gave me a, a – tw- I got all sorts of messaging. So, okay, football game, rain. I did not go out on the field with my camera because I was not spending another $600 to replace another camera. I'm sorry. I just wasn't going to do it, guys. I don't have that kind of money off it. But Brian and I stayed in the dry but very cool and drafty of the of the press box and watched uh, something amazing happen, didn't we? Absolutely. Um, before we get too in-depth of that game, did you guys hear some of the, the- – Narduzzi comments and stupid stuff he's done since Saturday. I mean, this guy, Jahar, you probably saw that Oscar Bradburn tweet where the pits, the pit receiver was in the end zone on the, on the O on the Hokies. I immediately nice put money on the Hokies once I saw that happen. Oh, it's Nardo. What do you expect? I, I, John, I don't know if you saw that, that, that uh, tweet we were referencing there. It's, it's pretty no. entertaining. Oscar Bradburn's comeback on that. No, I hadn't. What did what it say? Let's, let, let me find it here. Okay, while well, you're finding the tweet, what we got on Sunday, Jahar, you saw it on TV. I just got finished today watching the game again. I think I've watched it like twice to see if I saw anything. What struck you about 
besides it's just the, the goose egg what struck you about the the game on on saturday everybody's got a little different impression of it yeah for me it's just the coaching turnaround has been so key to the season you saw it again especially on defense you know earlier the season this defense was getting pulled on simple misdirection plays but on saturday their eyes were on the were in the right place you know on um, i think the fourth and two, while Pitt was in the high red zone or low red zone in the first half, they ran a misdirection jet sweep play, and they tried to throw back to the receiver coming across the formation. Caleb Foley was right there to break it up. And there was another third and one where Pitt came out in a heavy personnel package, tried to play action Hokies and take a deep shot downfield, but there was nothing there for Pickett, who ended up having to scramble for his first down. But the Hokies schematically and discipline-wise won that play. Pickett used to kill us all the time with the scrambles and the in the emergency runs because he's very athletic. But I was smiling the fact that they shut. Yeah, he got away a couple of times, like you're talking about that one time. Yeah, he kind of sort of got away on it, but not far. I mean, he got he got stopped just barely past the sticks. Uh, he didn't break it for anything. He didn't go anywhere big, and for the most part, he wasn't going anywhere at all. They had him corralled. They were rushing balanced. They were keeping the middle stuffed up. And what was really great was to me, this is what my observation was, the defense was cranking the zone blitzes, which was absolutely messing up Kenny Pickett. It messed up it messed up Wake Forest's game plan too. Those zone blitzes are just beyond them. When when Jared Hewitt pops up and starts run and backpedaling into coverage and knocks a pass down. That's cool. So many guys have been key in this turnaround too. Like, you know, like we talked about earlier in the year, it was only a couple of guys were playing really well. It was like Ashby and maybe um, Shamari Connors played well all year. But as the season's went on, every one of these guys, Dax is playing another level now. Caleb Farley's playing unreal. Jermaine Waller's been steady all year. And the defensive line, man, Pollard's outstanding. Crawford's been really good. Belmar's surprised me a lot. I'm not sure what you guys think of the defensive line. Oh, I'm 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 smiling when I'm seeing my kindred spirits out there. And I, I was a defensive lineman, and and that was my favorite position. And it's an an entirely different world down there in the trenches. And for them to be seeing the game having it slow down, controlling where they're going, keeping track of the ball and not getting lost, shedding blocks, stuffing offensive linemen into holes so that holes get that stuffed up up the A gap and at the edges of the B gap. So the run game has to go to the outside. It can't go up the middle to not overrush and they're containing. It's really nice to see that maybe something that Charlie's been banging at them about for for years is finally starting to bite and they're buying into it yeah it's amazing how much better the defensive line makes the cornerbacks look when they're winning their one-on-ones up front well yeah if you if you get pressure on the quarterback and get him unsettled and get him thrown off his back foot or you know getting rid of the ball too fast or taking a bad alley it makes a huge difference for those cornerbacks if it lets them get position and see what's going on and make sure they get their heads cranked around so that they can react to the ball yeah it's a team effort it really if is ashby's not first team all acc then they need to do away with it yeah i agree 
Same thing with he's Farley. Been, he's been so solid. Yeah, he got. I think he was named the uh, like linebacker of the week. Like I don't know how many times he, that's happened. Yeah, he's the year. linebacker of the week again. I saw the tweet go out. Yeah. So speaking of tweets, have you gotten that tweet yet? Before we yeah, start I, said, I shared it with both you guys. The Oscar yeah, okay. ones. Yeah, it's. I shared it to each one of you. Uh, direct messages. That was a fantastic tweet by Oscar Bradburn. At least a nine and a half tweet out of ten. It was. It was excellent. He owned that guy. Well. Well. Uh, just before we got we got about two minutes left before the break, I got to say that was one thing we all knew was going to be something interesting that we we're going to have to deal with, and that was Narduzzi, aka what I call who I call Nardo. I've seen some more colorful nicknames on the uh, on the web, but I can't really share on here. <laughs> yeah, this so. is family radio. I'm not doing I'm not doing the other ones. But what I see is a guy that's just making excuses. His team got beat. They got their butts trashed. They were making mistakes because they got their tail. Now, they were playing hard. Their defense is really good. I'm not going to take that away from them. They didn't make that many mistakes that weren't covered by our mistakes or our fubble-ups. There was parity between the defenses going on. What the big difference was, was Tech played a better football game. And I don't think Nardo can take that. Well, we all know Narduzzi's the biggest crybaby in the ACC, so. Yeah, he, he also said that hit on Trey Turner was a clean, a, a beautiful, clean hit. So, And I realize that a lot of people, you know, old school guys really don't see a problem with that hit, and, I, and I, I didn't before. But within the rules now, it's definitely a targeting call, and it was the right call. So he's just uh, – Yeah, well, it was unnecessary. Yeah, and before we cut uh, cut to the break, guys, I'm going to tell you something that I've seen in these targeting calls as we leave for the commercial. If you're going to see a targeting and it's not going to be waved off in a replay, it's going to be a double team. 90% of the time, it's going to be a double team. And that's what happens with the targeting call is if you've got a clean tackle and somebody comes flying in late, he's going to get nailed. And that's what happens most of those plays. So we're finished with this particular segment on Pitt. We'll pick up a little bit about Pitt, but then we want to talk about something that's a miracle that seems to be happening to Virginia Tech on the basketball court. So we'll be back in a few after these messages. All right, we're back from commercial. We need to finish up a little bit about football. We didn't even get to talk about the other part of this team, and it seems to be firing on quite a few cylinders now, and that's the offense. And, Jahar, you had an observation you wanted to make about a certain Mr. Hendon Hooker. Yeah, Hendon Hooker is just so much better at mental processing and, you know, making decisions faster than Ryan Willis. I think that really enforces how much better that the Hokies have been on offense since he got in. His legs obviously are a big key, but also he gets through his reach way quicker, and it allows him to get out of the pocket earlier rather than later before the defensive tackle squeezes the pocket. And Ryan Willis got caught in those situations a bunch of times, ended up taking some bad sacks on third down. But he's also a little – he's still, like, getting there. You can see, like, he's not totally in command of the offense yet in terms of just knowing where to go, where where the reads are. He's still learning, and that's okay. Like, he's going to struggle through that. He's working through that. He's getting so much better every game, and I'm excited to see what he does against UVA. Brian, you brought up in our plans for this, you brought up the the other part of the offense. Actually, there's two parts of it. 
there's two receivers that are really standing out and one actually two tight ends that are really standing out cover that all season long i've been you know i love dalton keen james mitchell they're they're just so hard to defend they can line up anywhere they're they're superb athletes they just take the offense to another level and then as he said about about Trey Turner, he's a stud. Him and Hazelton both. And then then you have Tavian, you add Tavion Robinson to the mix, whose whose quickness and elusiveness is just next level. This is just amazing. And, and to add to what Hooker's been able to do and the options he has, things everything's just seemed to be coming together at the right time. Yeah, I was just thinking about that long touchdown pass, that beautiful, it was a a flag route. It was a straight seam, flat, you know, up the up between the seam and the sidelines. Flag route. It's shallow cross out to a flag route. He caught the ball on the cross and then took off down the down the numbers and down the seam. And he kept running. And, and he would have. I just keep telling myself, "Ah, oh, Tavion, you would have scored if you hadn't looked over your shoulder and if you if you just run straight." If, as soon as he tried to cut out away, it, that was the thing that got him into the tackle. If he had just run to the flag, he would have had a touchdown. But that was beautiful. That was such a beautiful play. I mean, to put us on the one-yard line and then have it run in by James Mitchell, that was that was a special play. To me, that was the play that broke the game wide open. And it was like, what, the first score, the first major, the first score? That ended it right there. To me, that ended it right there. That we pulled that off with their defense in that driving rainstorm in the cold. I, I think our offense is starting to get special. I do agree with Jahar. Hooker's got a couple of things that he's got to get done, and he's learning. It's a learning process for him. This is the first time he's doing this. So, But every single game, he's getting better at every single part of what he's doing. So it's not like he's taking any steps back. We kept seeing quarterbacks who would get up there, do something special one time, and then take two steps back. Hendon Hooker is not taking any steps back, and that is much more important than than what we've seen over the last couple of years. If you go back to the Trey Turner play for a second, I think Fuente called for a it was sort of a rollout right. Then he said he reset the pocket for Hooker to give Trey Turner like another like two seconds, I think, to get down the field. That's just stuff you probably couldn't do with Willis, and Hooker's been so good moving inside the pocket too. My friends who sit with me at football games and read my stuff are all like, you keep screaming about moving the pocket. I said, you have to. With these defenses now, with these hard rushes, to have a guy stuck in the pocket like a stork, it's like, let's go visit Sean Glennon again. You're going to get hit. Get the quarterback moving. Get him. Give him some options in space so that if he doesn't see anything, if the reads don't come in, that he has a couple of run alleys that he can maybe grab something, at least not get sacked, right? Or he's outside the tackles and he can throw the ball away. So, well, that's the football game and how much better our offense is. Let's talk about the hard boards, how much better our basketball team is, and nobody realized it, except maybe Jahar. Jahar was a big Mike Young fan last season when it was a high, when it was a higher. He was the one that was jumping around telling me how wonderful it was. I actually caught on to Mike Young when he beat UNC at UNC with Wofford back in 2017. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of Wofford. And then last year, they make the NCAA tournament, give Kentucky all they could handle. And now he's got the Hokies playing at a high level, especially given their talent level. I mean, this guy couldn't field a team, what, back in May? And now he's got 
a group of guys that he's he's mainly recruited all these guys or given them a reason to stay in the case of BD and Nolly, and he's got them playing as core members of his team. Yeah, well, look at today. It was four guys in double figures, and they were shooting 47. The, the game before last, they were shooting over 50% from three. Today, it was 47.6% from three, you know, from, yeah. from and, and they pushed three back this season, three's, three's a couple of feet back. There was a, that was just that was a just a, such a fun game because it's like there toward the end we went up by ten points and and I, I was like it's over now we were we were hitting threes and then they got it back down I think to one point at one time and I was and it was really nerve wracking but the Hokies didn't flinch I mean that's a veteran team with a Hall of Fame coach and Hokies didn't flinch Mike Young was just kept us in it and and at the end we just kept the pressure wasn't afraid of the moment. Just Nolly hits the three. Can't say enough about this team, and and it's early in the season, but this was supposed to be a rebuilding year, and it still is a rebuilding year. But there's no reason why this team can't compete in the ACC and compete for a, a spot in the tournament. I mean, they're obviously not going to win the ACC at the end, but they can be in the top five or six. And I think they're going to be better in the ACC than a lot of people thought, and I think they're going to put a real scare into some guys. Go ahead, Char. If they can win nine games in the ACC, that's a huge win. I get, it's like we beat Michigan State, huge upset. Still got to temper expectations, though. Yeah, I agree oh. completely. Like they get the nine or ten wins in the ACC. He's coach of the year if he gets this team to nine or ten wins in the ACC. In addition to beating Michigan State, now I mean that's just an incredible coaching job. Yeah, there was uh, some guy made comments out on the web. And I was watching some guy's comments and go, yeah, they picked Tech to be 15th in the ACC, which I think he was basically, his, his just was, that was an unfair pick. But just think about if Michigan State was number one in the Big Ten and you have number 15 doing this to the number one in the Big Ten, how good the ACC actually is. ACC has been the best basketball conference for five, six years now. Like, yeah, Tobacco Road is a basketball league. It's not a football league, and we know that. The only football teams that have been any good of any weight or any value in, in, in the ACC, Florida State and Miami. And none of those teams are actually tobacco road teams. You keep shooting threes the way they're shooting threes. I mean, you know, you can't rely on that every <laughs> game, but they consistently shoot threes this way. They're going to beat a lot of teams that they're not supposed to beat this year. Their defense has actually been the most surprising thing this year, I think. I think Ken Palm Brayson is a top 40 team on defense. And for a smaller team, that's pretty freaking good. Yeah, well, we got another commercial break coming up. And it is, as some people call it, hate week. And I won't hate anybody, but, man, I don't have to like them either. So we'll be back after this message. Welcome back to Talking Turkey. Before the break, we went over the Hokies' 71-66 upset win over number three Michigan State in the Maui Invitational. So that's basketball, and we have starting off strong this year. Yeah, there's going to be the losses are going to come. It's basketball. You know it's going to happen. But to get a solid start like this is a really good thing. To get a signature win out of this one, is also a really good thing when it comes to the end of the season when it's time to pick teams to go into the tournament. So I'm hoping I'll be in Castle Coliseum uh, when that happens, but but that's a long time from now, right? 
we should get back to the gridiron and talk about the game everybody wants to talk about, which is the Who's and the Hokies on Friday in Charlottesville, noon kickoff on ABC. Both teams come into the game five and two in the ACC. Winner take all. Winner gets the right to play Clemson. So, yeah, the know? only thing that's sad about that game is we'll be hearing Keith Jackson an- announcing it. That would be kind of cool, you know. Noon game on Saturday on ABC. Yeah, that would be cool. I don't know what to say, guys. I really don't. I guess I can start it off. Yeah, go um, ahead. UVA sucks, and we hate them. Yes. It's been a bitter old hatred for me, a little bit longer for for Brian, especially because of his brother, who we need to get maybe get some time and get him to be a guest on the show here pretty soon, Brian. You need to give him a call. But it's one of those things for me. It's always been bitter, and it's always been fun because my best friend from high school went to UVA. So, But I have a Dr. Pepper bottle that my daughter found at a place on 29 and it's a Dr. Pepper bottle with the old VT on it. It has the 1980 season on it. And the 1980 season is when we blanked UVA 30 to nothing at Lane Stadium. And that best friend that I was talking about was at the game with me. That didn't start my bitter relationship with UVA. There was three prior games to that, but that put a real cap on it. As I'm sitting studying this game, you know, trying to, trying to, gather an opinion on this game this week. And I look back over the past month, I've watched UVA several times this year and right. And I, I don't say it. I know anything can happen and, and, and whatever, but outside of Bryce Perkins right now, they really don't scare me on either side of the ball right now. No, they don't scare me on defense at all. Uh, without Bryce Hall, who got injured in Miami game, I think they've been sort of struggling without them. They gave up 28 to Louisville, 31 to UNC, 28 to Georgia Tech, 27 to Liberty. So they can definitely be had by the Sokies offense. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Old Dominion in the game much later against the Hoos than they were against the Hokies? Because I know we didn't dominate ODU, but we kind of held them at arm's length the entire game. They never really were in it, but they were never out of it. Where at UVA, I think they held a lead into the maybe the third quarter. Yeah, I think they jumped out to a 10-0 lead to start that game. They lost 28-17, but Virginia was getting outplayed for a good portion of the first half. Yeah, and that's the thing that we have to be acutely aware of. UVA's entire offense is Bryce Perkins. They have a couple of decent receivers and a competent offensive line. But what they have is Bryce Perkins getting outside of the pocket, off the edges, and taking off the, up the field. Or splitting the seam up the middle. You know, you, you know how the rush goes around the A gap and then A gap opens up and the linebackers have all bailed. So there's nobody coming up the A gap. That's one of Bryce Perkins' escape routes. And that he, he'll take that. You give it to him and he won't throw the ball. He'll take it. The one so, player on offense outside of Bryce that's a scary player is Joe Reed. He's actually a really good receiver. And I know that I'm sure. Caleb Farley will be locked up with him, but Reed was the guy who replaced Zacchaeus as their primary receiver. And from what I remember last year, if Perkins wasn't throwing to Zacchaeus, he wasn't throwing. There was very rarely somebody else in the pattern. Joe Reed has averaged, I think, less than 10 yards a catch this year. So at least he's not that explosive down the field threat that Zacchaeus was last year for them. So that should definitely help foster plan for that the Hokies tend to give up the bigger place to one-on-one shots on the outside so without that one-on-one threat to go deep 
Farley should be able to handle him. And you could almost just put Waller if you're worried about more. He's where he's not the twitchy fast guy. You could put Waller on him and just kind of have Farley on the other side because where he's not a deep guy or anything. He's a good possession guy, but less it's going to be interesting because there's going to be you know Foster is going to open up the can of worms. He's going to do stuff. Well, we got to you know we saw how the team paid honor to players played honor to Bud the last two home games. They weren't sending him out that way. They wanted to erase that earlier season stuff, but there's no way they want to send Bud out with a loss to UVA. No, that's not going to be – they're not going to want that punctuation on the, his legacy. So I think what you're going to see is a concerted effort to put Bryce Perkins in a bag and make him throw the ball. Honestly, that's what they're going to do. They're, they're going to they're going to keep him contained so he can't run very far or very you know very much, and they're going to make him one dimensional. And the way way you make UVA one dimensional is you make him rely on that passing game and keep Perkins from running the ball. Yeah. So yeah. what Foster did against Pickett last week, I don't know, it was the most his go to for this game. He sent a lot of uh, nickel corner blitzes, cat blitzes from the boundary to Pickett who could not deal with pressure well. I think Perkins is a little more poised than Pickett. So I don't know if we see as much pressure this week. We might just see the four-man rush, and Foster just tells him, stay in your rush lane, and we'll get to Perkins with Ashby and Hallfield if we need to clean it up. I got a feeling you're not going to see the zone blitz this time because he's going to want to keep he's going to want to keep a, a some sort of lasso around Perkins' neck. My old coach used to call it getting the quarterback around the waist. Even even if he's throwing the ball or trying to hand it off, it's just having somebody there around his legs, around his waist, around his face, just getting in the way, making it very difficult for him to operate the way he wants to. And I think that's the that's going to be the magic of the is doing that with four guys, and then then being able to pick and choose wh- wh- whether you want to blitz, you know, send Ashby or or, or send. And I don't know if I want to send Dax. I don't know if Dax is fast enough to handle Perkins. I think you're going to need a Tisdale or something like that. If you're going to blitz somebody, it's going to have to be a safety blitz or or somebody like a Tisdale to get in there. But hey. Foster doesn't respect the deep ball at all. You could put Reggie Floyd in the box, uh, use him to sort of spy, not spy, but stay in front of Perkins in case he decides to bail. I think he's going to be bailing a lot, by the way, because the last game I noticed he, he he bailed a lot. It was the pass was not very important in that game. It was snap the ball to Perkins and see the magic happen. The spreads moved a few times already. Yeah, it used to be a pick 'em. Now I think I'm 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 not sure they were giving UVA an edge early and then that disappeared. And now the it's a pick are a, a three maybe a three point favorite now. A, a, Yes, yeah, I, I saw true, I saw so. something a line move at it too. I'll find out what the final stuff is from my buddy in Reno. They're favored by three right now, so they who um, the Hokies. Yeah, okay, uh, that makes sense. It's moved a lot in the last two days. It's already moved a few times, so yeah, it's moved a touchdown in our direction. So that's it for this particular segment. And that's it for this particular podcast. We'd like to thank Jahar Ali, our former writer, and hopefully he finds the time in his busy schedule as a tech graduate to maybe join us again 
and maybe join us writing again. We'd sure like to, we sure miss his analyticals and his, his game reviews. Jahar, we really do. We miss your, we miss your stuff. We'd like to have you come back, but we certainly want to have you as a guest commentator during the basketball season. Cause I know your passion is basketball. Much appreciated guys. And yeah, anytime. All right. This is the way we sign off. Go Hokies. Beat the Wahoos.